0: On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. Well, Stacey Abrams, it is so great to talk to you on the record um, about what you're doing now. Um, You are moving on beyond the election, but also still focusing on the election, making sure each vote counts. How personal is this for you beyond the fact that, you know, Georgia, for all intents and purposes, should have been your state that you were going to be governor over?
1: I grew up in the Deep South. I grew up in Mississippi, came of age in Georgia, and I've always been steeped in the deep awareness of how important the right to vote is because my parents, my grandparents, were long denied that right. My father actually went to jail as a teenager helping register people to vote, registering back votes in Mississippi. And so the access to the franchise is in my blood. I've long believed, and for more than 20 years, I've worked towards ensuring that people have the right to vote, whether it's through registration or civic engagement. And now in the aftermath of the 2018 election, it's fighting voter suppression. Uh, because Fundamentally, I know that the values that I hold and the policies I want to see become manifest when we have the right to vote.
0: At this moment in time, polls are showing that there are various Democrats who are running for president who could beat Donald Trump. That's what polls are showing today. Now when we go to the polls on Election Day, it could be a totally different story. But do you anticipate with the Russian bots, um, the Russian involvement, and the attempts by Republicans in Congress to to suppress the minority vote, Do you anticipate, honestly, and and realistically, from what you see and what you're working with and what you've dealt with, that a Democrat will be president of the United States next election?
1: Absolutely. A Democrat should have been president in 2016, and there were a combination of factors that blocked that outcome. But we know what is being done. We know that our elections are subject to foreign influence. We know that we have insecure machines in a number of states. And we know that not only Congress, but state legislators, state governors, have been undermining access to the right to vote for 20 years, that the conservative playbook sets out stricter and stricter rules for access to the ballot, and that, in turn, suppresses the vote. But one of the opportunities is that when you know what you're fighting against, you have a better opportunity to fight back. And rather than conceding that their poise will work, I believe we have to do what we can. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, commonly uh, you know, referred to by some as Moscow Mitch, has refused to fight back against the foreign influence. He's refused to fight back against the challenge of insecure voting machines. And we know that in states across the country, under Republican leadership, It's been made more difficult for people to get on the rolls, stay on the rolls, cast a ballot, and have that vote counted. What FairFight2020.org, what FairFight2020 will do, is go into those 20 battleground states where we know we have the most pernicious versions of voter suppression or where we have the greatest opportunity for voter protection, and we're going to stand up voter protection teams to ensure that they are doing the work now. We're not waiting until November 2020 to fight back. We're fighting back in 2019, preparing ourselves, preparing our communities, and fighting against those laws that would make it more difficult voters
0: to exercise their rights so I'm, I'm listening to you and and you're great I mean everybody's behind you people are rallying behind you like you wouldn't believe and you know this but I mean I, the, the the outpouring for you is amazing but there are two obstacles I see in your way one this president who believes in fraud versus suppression and then two Shelby versus Holder, the gutting of pre-clearance, um, you know, and 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 voting rights is under attack. How do you in twenty nineteen? I mean, and, and Donald Trump is a man, but he's the president of the United States, but he's got this power that we've never seen before, and this move to do things, you know, he's unlawful. Let's just call it what it is. How do you really? expect to really make a difference and push forward to make sure that there is a Democrat that's a president and make sure all these other local elections are free and fair?
1: We know that the power in America does not lie with the president. It doesn't lie with Congress. It doesn't, it doesn't lie with elected officials. It is within the grasp of the people. And the people have the right to vote. What has often been the challenge is that those of us who believe that to be so have shown up late to make certain it's true. We show up in the last few months of an election, and at that point, we're trying to fight, you know, an inferno when we could have started earlier fighting what was a dangerous blaze, but it hadn't quite consumed everything. We know in Georgia, for example, that the response to voter suppression was voter turnout. Now we. Had extraordinary turnout. We achieved the highest turnout for Democrats in Georgia history. The reason we didn't quite cross the finish line, in part, was because of voter suppression. Because my opponent in the election controlled the levers of power. He's been the architect of this extraordinary voter suppression apparatus. And
0: while he was, I in, was in the election process and running the election process. Yes. He was running against you was, and running the was, process.
1: He was. It was. He was the umpire. He was at bat. <laughs> He was the announcer. He was everything. And so the the challenge is that while we did, I think, great work in in increasing enthusiasm, increasing access, and encouraging turnout, we were against an inferno. And we just didn't have all of the, the pressure we needed to overcome it. But that's why we're starting now. And that's why we're starting in all 20 states. Because we want those battleground states where the presidency will be decided, where the Senate races will be decided, where down-ballot races, secretary of state, attorney general, but also state legislative races will be decided and will help determine the next generation of decisions. We are fighting now. The most effective antidote to suppression is engagement. And that's what we're focusing on. There are those who would argue that the high turnout that we saw in Georgia is emblematic of and, in fact, is evidence of the lack of suppression. That's a completely wrong-headed idea. It defies both math and logic. It's like saying that, you know, yeah. if more people get into the water, there can't be sharks. No, sharks can still be there, and we know the sharks exist. But what we're going to tell folks is we're going to have more people in the water and we're going to have lifeguards ready for you, and we're going to have protective barriers, and we're going to do the work. Because, no, we cannot unravel all of voter suppression in a single cycle, but if we can mitigate the harm, If we can limit its effect, then we're looking at states where we're talking about two, three, five percent difference. Even a small change in access changes the outcome of the election.
0: I want to ask you two more questions. Um, Today, um, we saw Officer Pantaleo fired from the NYPD, the police officer who uh, gave that fatal chokehold to Eric Garner. Um, it's been five years since justice um, has been in limbo. Uh, the federal government did not indict Eric Garner. I mean, I, excuse me, the federal government did not indict Panaleo uh, for Eric Garner's death. What say you uh, about this This whole scenario?
1: I think what we're seeing happening in California today, a law takes effect that starts to shift the conversation and tries to strike a balance between protecting those we ask to protect us. We ask police officers to put their lives on the line to risk themselves when they are trying to provide security and safety. But they also have to be accountable for and held to a standard when it comes to what actually threatens that safety. I think the legislation that has just uh, come online in California is proof that that conversation needs to continue to happen. But I also think there has to be accountability measures, and while no legal office decided to hold uh, Pantaleo accountable, I am pleased that the NYPD saw fit to fire him, Uh, because what he did, I think to most eyes, was outside of his responsibility, and he does not increase the safety of New Yorkers, in my mind, by taking those actions. And so I think it's important to recognize what NYPD did in response. But what's even more important is that we have legislators and lawmakers who are thinking about the fact that we can both protect our communities and protect those we ask to stand for us and to ensure our safety. And that we have to have more robust and current conversations about how that's achieved.
0: And lastly... When you're talking about more robust conversations, um, there are a lot of robust conversations about your future, your political future. Now, you have told me, we were in Martha's Vineyard at the airport, you said you're not running for Senate. What's next for you?
1: I don't know. I am focusing right now on making sure that whatever I run for, whatever anyone in America run for, that they have access to a free and fair election. We can't predict the outcome. We can work hard. Uh, And my side of the aisle to ensure it's a Democrat. But the reality is the erosion of our democracy through voter suppression affects everyone. And so my responsibility is to lead Fair Fight 2020, to raise the resources and the attention by sending people to fairfight2020.org. But most importantly, it is to focus not on what the outcome is for me, but what the outcome is for our country. Patriot's duty is to stand up for the values we hold to be true, and that's my mission.
0: Now you were on the cover of Vanity Fair, correct? No, I was not. Which cover was that? I you? was featured
1: I was featured
0: in Vogue. Oh, I'm sorry. Recently? Yes. Okay, so you did a Vogue feature. Vogue is yeah. huge. Vogue did a feature on you not just because you are great, because you're this great politician, you're this great author, you're this great woman. But you are so great that your name is being bantered around in circles as possibly part of a ticket if certain, if there's a certain person that um, wins the nomination, clinches the nomination on the Democratic side. Are you open to possibly being the number two on a presidential ticket?
1: be honored to be considered, but I do not want to presume who the nominee will be or who that nominee will choose to ask uh, to be the running mate, but I absolutely wanted to make certain, uh, you know, I I am certainly open to it, and I appreciate the conversation.
0: Wow. I love your honesty.
1: I love your honesty. It's
0: refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I'm dealing with right now, right? (laughs) I do indeed. (laughs) Yes. Well, Stacey Abrams, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, I just I encourage people to go to fairfight2020.org and. You join us in our fight against voter
0: suppression with this week's on the record i'm AURN white house correspondent april ryan don't forget to subscribe to on the record on itunes google play soundcloud stitcher or any other podcast directory if you like what you hear leave a five-star review
1: on the record a
0: product of american urban radio networks